start heading over to 2 Corinthians 12. We're in our second week of the series called Beautifully Broken, Semicolon, Profoundly Powerful. Meaning this, that, that if we want to have a profound gospel power in our life, it must be paired with being beautifully broken. Last week, we talked about being low and lifted up, and we talked about Elijah under the broom tree. And so today, we're going to be, talk, we're going to be talking about afflicted and affirmed, Paul's thorn. So head over to 2 Corinthians 12, and in the meantime, while you're flipping your pages to get there, I want to tell you a little story. <clears throat> a sales rep, an administrative clerk, and a boss were beginning to take their lunch when they came across this old antique lamp. They rubbed it, and guess what happened? A genie came out. This genie says, I'm gonna give each of you just one wish. Me first, me first, says the administrative clerk. I wanna be in the Bahamas, driving a speedboat without a single care in the world. Poof, gone. Me next, me next, says the sales rep. I want to be in Hawaii, relaxing on a beach with the love of my life. Poof. And he's gone. So finally, the genie turns to the boss and says, okay, you're up. And the boss says, I want my employees back after lunch. What can we learn from this story? It's this. Aren't we as humans very quick to run from things that are uncomfortable? Aren't we really tempted just to try to escape out of pain? Aren't we quick to just run away to something that we would want to view as something just a little bit more ideal for our life? So often, the Christian can be a professional escape artist from the present. Today, we're gonna to be talking about the thorn. This is not gonna be an easy theology. It's gonna be a heavy theology. Because I don't pretend, like there are a ton of thorns that are in front of me that I don't even pretend to know. And what I wanna do is I, I wanna stop and I wanna pray. I wanna ask for boldness from God for us not to run, not to wish away, not to numb, but for us to see the purpose and the power behind the thorn. And we're going to stop and pray, not because it's a cute Christian thing to do. We're going to stop and pray because we are thorn-inflicted children crying upon a Savior who wore a crown of thorns, and he hears us. Pray with me, Muskoka. So, Father God, we come to you right now in humility. I thank you, God, for, for bringing these individuals here today, Lord. I pray many of us come in here limping. Many of us come in here not pretending to be more than we actually are, but we come to you right where we are here today in our seats. So, Father God, I pray, would we look to your word, would we look to your spirit, would we see the beauty and the power behind it? Holy Spirit, I pray, be thick in this room that we would see the beauty of your design and it would lead to a deep, deep worship of you in our lives. In Christ's name we pray, amen. All right, y'all, so we're going to be going through 2 Corinthians 12. We're going to be going through verses 1 through 10. So listen, start with me in verse 1. Ready? I must go on boasting. Though there is nothing to be gained by it, I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. But God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. 
but God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. On behalf of this man, I will boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast except of my weaknesses. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool. For I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. Here it comes, verse 7. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should believe me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I want to talk a little bit about this thorn. We need to have a good, healthy theology of what is the thorn, and, and so how does it originate? Where does it come from? And so we see that in the counseling room, a lot of times when I'm counseling individuals and Christians, you know what the worst type of pain and hardship they ever endure in the counseling room is? A thorn that they think is meaningless. They feel the weight of the thorn, but they think it's ultimately pointless. It doesn't lead to anything. That is a type of pain if you bite that lie that leads to despair. But a Christian who has real pain, real struggles, and a real thorn, but knows that that thorn is not meaningless and that it is ultimately powerful, now that's a Christian who can endure it. So let's talk a little bit more about the, the, the origin of the thorn. We need to see in verse 7, we see three figures in this dialogue. We see Paul, we see the thorn, and we equally see the Lord. We see that the, the affliction that Paul experiences in this thorn is real. Paul has no power over it. He can't control it, and he can't well wish it away. So we see that here's Paul, and then here's this thorn that's kind of looming over him and afflicting him. But equally, above that thorn, which feels above Paul, is a God. And so if Paul loses this vision of this hierarchy, he's going to be destroyed because he's going to be tempted to make that thorn his God. Is that not our temptation here today? To make that hardship, that struggle, that thorn. We're very tempted as Christians to make it our God. I want you to know, Paul may be under the thorn, but Paul needs to be reminded, equally like us here today, the thorn is under God. The thorn only has the degree of power that the Lord chooses to give it. See, we gotta understand that, that in this, the thorn, the origin of the thorn, the thorn is from the Lord. And the Lord is using even this messenger of Satan. God's ordained it. God's designed it. 
and God has given it to Paul. We see in verse 6, the thorn came to Paul from the Lord. We see similar themes like in the book of Job. And so, so often we see how Job is afflicted, and, and when we sit there and we're like, okay, well, Satan's attacking him, Satan's attacking him. But my question is this, who nominated Job's name? Was it not the Lord? How about my servant Job? See, we still don't know what the thorn in Paul's side is. And can I be honest with you? I love it that that thorn is beautifully vague. The Bible is beautifully vague in this area. But can I tell you as a counselor, are you ready? I see many thorns on a given week. Thorns can be relationships. It can be finances. It can be physical illness. It can be mental illness. It can be work. Or here's one that we can all relate to, your in-laws. All God's people said amen. (laughs) Thorns don't just look like one particular thing. They can change, they can fluctuate, they kind of evolve through our different seasons of life. They don't always look the same. But like Paul, we too have thorns and it feels like they loom over us. But it's crucial for us as Christians to fight for a proper understanding and a godly perspective of the thorn. When we have a good perspective and understanding and theology of the thorn, it takes us from a camp of despair over to a camp of power. We will see soon that the thorn is given to Paul to force him to be beautifully broken so that in turn he could be profoundly powerful. There is a divine purpose behind every thorn that the children of God experience. So we see the origin of the thorn, it comes from the Lord, but here's the purpose of the thorn. First and foremost, it's for the glory of God. The point of all creation is not you. It's hard to believe. I have a hard time accepting that myself. The point of all creation is summed up like a beautiful orchestra coming to a crescendo is this that the glory of God would be put on display, and as it's on display, it would lead to a worship to him that is due to him. God never once has been in the business of giving glory to men. Everything that the Lord does, the purpose behind it is to unravel before our eyes his glory, his beauty, his majesty. And that is why he uses weak men and women to do it. The glory is not designed for us. It's designed for him. How do we know this? He uses weak men and women to do it. Noah's a drunk. Abraham's an adulterer and a fearful liar. Sarah is a manipulator. Moses is a murderer, and he's disobedient to the Lord. Rahab's a prostitute. Samson loved prostitutes. Yet these are all names that you would find in Hebrews in a chapter called the Hall of Faith. But watch the power of the Lord working in weak men. How could a liar ever be used to point to the truth of God? How could an adulterer ever be used to show the faithfulness of God? How could a murderer be used to show the life giver? How could a coward named Gideon ever be used to point towards the mighty warrior of God? And it's this, and this is not an easy fact to accept, but man, it is powerful. It's on the backdrop 
of weak, struggling, thorn-inflicted children that the gospel profoundly shines through like a blinding light. So we see that the purpose of the thorn ultimately is to give glory to God. But equally, I believe that the thorn is designed to shame Satan and to protect us. Look at God's magnitude in this chapter of the Bible, that God would even use the enemy, the enemy's ministry and Satan's A-game to further the will of the Lord. Look at verse seven. It's designed to protect Paul. The thorn is designed to protect Paul. Look at verse seven. The thorn is given to protect Paul from pride. It's given to him to protect him from self-sufficiency. It's given to him to lay the soil of brokenness in, in Paul in order for a profound power to bud through. This is what I love. Listen to what John Piper says about shaming Satan in the presence of thorns. God shows Satan as a fool in the service of salvation. God is putting Satan to work for Paul's protection from pride. God is putting the father of pride, Satan, to work to kill pride in his children. Do you see how beautifully ironic that is? That God in his sovereignty, God in his providence, not just that he has all power, but how he chooses to use that power. He would literally use the father of pride in the life of Paul to kill pride in Paul. You know what I call that? I call that a castrated enemy. You know what I call that? I call that a neutered enemy. That even Satan's open rebellion against God his attempts to thwart God would still fall under as him being an obedient servant to God. One of the greatest definitions for Satan I've ever come across is just this. He's the unwilling servant of God. He's still a servant of God. Satan, the enemy, is actually being used as a tool in God's hand to grow God's children. That's not just a neutered enemy, something greater than that. That is a big God. That is a big God. But I wanna encourage you, we're gonna struggle with this thorn. We're gonna wrestle with this thorn. There's gonna be, there's gonna be the good days and, and equally, guys, there's gonna be the, the hard days. And I, I wanna encourage you, do not let the thorn that is designed to shame Satan end up shaming you. Do not let the thorn that is designed to shame Satan shame you. You ready? The thorn is not punishment in Paul's life. Your thorn is not punishment. The thorn is not God's wrath in Paul. The thorn is not God's wrath on you. The thorn is not God pulling away from Paul. And your thorn is not a sign that God is pulling away from you. You know what the thorn is? This is beautiful and difficult at the same time. The thorn is grace. The thorn in Paul's life, like in our life, is designed to create a limp in our life that leads us to the crutch of Christ. Where people may see your weakness, they're seeing something greater than your weakness. 
They're seeing the steadfast love, strength, and presence of God in your life. When the thorn is done right, the point of it isn't your weakness. It's the greatness of Christ and how he meets us. But equally, there's this beautiful equation that's found in 2 Corinthians 12. When God says, my power is made perfect in, and what's that next word? Weakness. What a different equation than the world. What a different equation than our very own flesh. So really, we can create this equation. My weakness equals a display of God's perfect power. But have you ever thought of the opposite equation? What does no weakness equal? No display of God's power. I never fear a Christian in the counseling room who has weakness. I never fear a Christian in the counseling room who has a limp. The Christian I fear is the one who has deceived themselves into thinking they have no limp and has playing games to show that they have no weakness. There should be one thought that should enter our spine with like a, like a sobering chill, and it's this. The idea that we as followers of Christ would never have a display of God's power in our life. It's okay to, if weakness equals God's presence, if weakness equals God's perfect power being made alive in our life, it's worth it. But there's one thought that should scare us, and it's this that we would claim to be a follower of Christ and puff ourselves up in a fake posture of perfection and in a, face, a fake posture of no struggles and that you would see no display of God's power in your life. Here it is. If you're not beautifully broken, profoundly powerful, then you're horribly hollow and pitifully powerless. If you're not beautifully broken and profoundly powerful, then you're horribly hollow and pitifully powerless. You see, our flesh, the enemy, it wants to whisper lies to us when we face the thorn. These are the common ones I see as a counselor. You ready? And I'm probably going to out everybody in the room, and that's okay because I'm outing myself. Here's those lies. Here's those whispers that want to defeat us when we feel the weight of the thorn, and it's this. You've lost God. Here's the truth. We need to shut those lies up and we got to pair it with the truth. The thorns that we have in life are under God's sovereignty. They're under God's power. And the thorn is ultimately for God's glory. The thorn is for the shaming of Satan. And the thorn, like Paul, is actually designed to protect us because it woos us closer and closer to the one who has the profound power. And it's not us, it's our Christ. The presence of life's thorns drive us when we're walking in obedience. They drive us to our knees before a throne of grace where it's paired with God's mercy, God's grace, and equally, God's power in our life. So we see the origin of the thorn. We see the purpose of the thorn. I want to talk a little bit about what the response to the thorn is. Now, last week I was like, hey, I grew up Baptist. All my points start with the same letter. I grew a lot this week. Do you notice how they don't start with the same letter at all? You're welcome. So, listen, let's see what our response to the thorn is. Here it is. You're going to see this in verse 10 and verse 9. Here it is. The thorn is designed to create a response in the believer. 
And the response is this, and it's, it's, it's ultimately found in verse 10. And I'll read verse 10 to you. Or I'll start in verse nine. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Here's what our response to our thorns must be like Paul's, and it's this. This is what different translations say of this passage. Here's what our response is to be. Be content. Another version says, take pleasure. And another translation says, to boast. In what? Our weaknesses, our insults, our distress, our persecution, and our difficulties. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me, Lord? You want me to be content in my weaknesses? You want me to take pleasure in my persecution? You want me to boast in my difficulties? And the Lord is saying, absolutely. Why? In verse nine, because the Lord shows in this illustration that, that when we are content, take pleasure, and boast in our weaknesses, insults, distress, persecution, and difficulties, his power is made perfect in our weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. See, for when Paul and us are weak, then and only then are we strong. When we are beautifully broken, then, and only then, are we profoundly powerful. Our response to the thorn also needs to be this. Rest in his grace. Why? Verse 9, my grace is sufficient. I'm not an English nerd, but here's some synonyms for sufficient. Enough plenty and ample. His grace is not weak for the thorn. His grace is not just okay for the thorn. His grace in and of itself is enough. His grace is plenty and his grace is ample for what you need in your time of struggle. Because we will, like Paul, have thorns. But here's what I also love. This is his opportunity to rest in the Lord. Why? Do you see how Paul pleads with the Lord to take the thorn away? Did he plead with him once? No. Did he plead with him twice? No. He pleaded with the Lord three times that this would be taken away. Here's another response in the thorn, and it's this. Don't stop dialoguing with God. We're about to see some godly men that dialogued with God in their thorns. Look, Job, in his trial, asked the Lord, why do you contend with me? Paul pleads with the Lord three times, take this from me. Christ, in the garden of Gethsemane, says, let this cup pass from me. I want you to know, if you're here today and you have a thorn, it's not wrong to ask the Lord to take it from you. You know why? The Lord's gonna answer you in one of two ways. Yes, I'll take it away from you and you will deeply worship him. Or, like in the life of Paul, the Lord will say no. But at the same time that he says no, he's also gonna say something else and it's this. 
When he says, no, I will not take this thorn, he's gonna go, but I am going to give you an ample dose of my grace to help you endure. You know what the worst type of thorn is? The one that you have to do in your strength. The thorn that you have to do in your wisdom, which is so vast. But imagine there is a grace and a wisdom and a strength that is available for every man and woman in this room for the thorn that you face, and it does not come from you. And the one requirement is just brokenness. And so the Lord will say no. And we will worship him, but at the same time, he's going to give us an ample grace, a sufficient grace, uh, a plentiful grace that's going to be with us in order to endure and in order to keep going. As Christians, we're going to have to fight. We're going to have to wrestle at a heart and a soul level to keep this type of perspective. It isn't just going to happen. We're going to have to remember in the presence of the thorn, the point of the thorn, spoiler alert, the point of the thorn is not you. Don't be in awe of you in the thorn. The point of the thorn is not the thorn. Don't be in awe of the thorn. It makes a terrible God. The point of the thorn is not the enemy. Don't be in awe of him. The point of the thorn is that God is going to give a demonstration of his power, a profound power. And the thorn, that beautiful brokenness, is the soil that he deems to do it on. Be in awe of that. That is a good thing to be in awe of. That God is going to display a demonstration of his perfect power. Be in awe of that. Now, as the worship team comes up and is just going to play some soft music in the background, I want to use this time to create an opportunity for you to dialogue with the Lord. And so as they come up and play, I want to ask you a question and use this time between you and your God. Is the thorn worth it? Not an easy question. Is the thorn in your life worth it? If your thorn, like Paul's, was what God wanted to use to display his power in you and through you, is it worth it? And listen, let's not speak Christianese in this room. Sometimes in seasons of my life, I love the Lord. I'm going, it's not worth it. It's too heavy and it's too hard. And maybe you're here, you love the Lord, and you're like, I just don't feel like it's worth it right now. Use this time right now. Dialogue with the Lord. Ask the Lord for a renewed sense of vision to see this morning, to see the thorn in a biblical perspective, to see the meaning of the thorn, the power of the thorn, and the purpose of the thorn, to see what God is doing in your life. And maybe to the question, is the thorn worth it? And your answer is yes. Then you know what? Just on a heart and soul level right now, worship him. Thank him. And maybe your answer is yes, the thorn is worth it. But you're weary right now. You're fighting to, t to be content. You're, you're wrestling to take pleasure. You're fighting to boast. 
in this beautiful brokenness, then take this moment between you and the Lord as an opportunity just to remind yourself that nothing, nothing is more beautiful, nothing is more powerful, and nothing compares to what the Lord is doing in your life and what he is producing in you. Ask the Lord to remind you of that in this moment. Ask the Lord to remind you of that throughout this week. I want you to know one day we're going to go before a throne with all the saints. I promise you something. Your lips will never utter, it was not worth it, Lord. But your lips for all of eternity will say, it was worth it. Your lips for all of eternity will say, thank you, God, for that throne for that thorn because it gave me more of you. Thank you, God, for that throne because it gave me a display of your perfect power. You want to know what the perfect response to the thorn is? It's this. Worship. Not of the thorn. Worship. Not of you but a worship of the divine one who is doing a beautiful work in it. And when we can rest in that, then welcome. Welcome to being beautifully broken and profoundly powerful. And so the ultimate response to the thorn is worship. I want us literally to rise right now. Stand up. I want us in this moment let the anthem of your lips, the anthem of your heart, the anthem of your thought life, let it praise this, let it be on this, how great thou art. Not how great the thorn is or you, how great thou art. Because this will be the very anthem that we will sing for all of eternity. So why not here? Why not now? Why not right in the middle of your thorn here today? Lift high only the name of Christ. Join us. we stop running from the thorn and we face it and we embrace the God behind the, th the thorn we begin to taste on the palate of our souls the goodness and the closeness of our Lord the greater the brokenness the greater the display of his perfect power welcome to beautiful brokenness profound power so God, we come before you right now and we say how great thou art. In all of creation, there is none like you. 
So God, I pray for my brothers and sisters who are here today, God, I pray, would you give them a perspective of the thorn? Would they see the power of the thorn? Because in the midst of it, you will be glorified, Satan will be shamed, and we will be protected. So give us a strength we don't have, Lord. Give us a wisdom we don't have, Lord. We turn to you in our brokenness so that we could see your power be made perfect. And we pray for these things in the name and in the blood of Christ. Amen.